Don't touch my jewels. Don't touch my jewels. I said, don't touch my jewels. Hey, everyone. I'm back with Dr. Keisha Anderson, MD. And for those of you who did not listen to the episode before this one, let me run down Dr. Anderson's qualification so that you know she knows what she's saying. Dr. Anderson is a medical doctor and she is a board certified OBGYN. She received her undergrad at Xavier University, which I learned is in New Orleans. She earned her medical degree at the Medical College of Georgia, and she did her residency at Washington Hospital Center in Washington, D.C. Dr. Anderson loves And I use the word she's passionate about helping women understanding their bodies as we go through our various stages of life. She just is passionate about it, learning about it, knowledgeable about it, and it just flows like water off her back when you see her. You know what I didn't ask Dr. Anderson? I didn't ask if it was okay to say where you're based. Is that all right? Sure. All right. Dr. Anderson is based right here in Georgia. She can be found at two offices, uh, the North Georgia OBGYN. There is one in Alpharetta. And where's the other one, Dr. Anderson? So our practice is North Atlanta OBGYN. Okay. We actually have three offices, Juliet. We have our main office, Northside Hospital, um, in the Atlanta Sandy Springs area near Perimeter Mall. Okay. We have our Alpharetta location, right off exit 10, up in the uh, new um, Avalon areas, kind of um, central to that location. Right. And then we're also in East Cobb oh. um, off of Johnson Ferry. So we have we have three offices that we see patients. Oh, I didn't know. I just go to yeah. the one that is just down the road from my house in Alpharetta. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere else. <laughs> But um, for those of you who aren't lucky enough to be in Georgia, Dr. Anderson is right here in Georgia. And I'm going to tell you, no disrespect to other OBGYN, but she is the bomb. Okay, so if you need an OBGYN, I'm going to plug her right here, right now. You find her, Dr. Keisha Anderson, MD. You find her and you let her know you heard about her on the podcast. She going to take care of you regardless though she is the yes. best the best Ukara, Juliet, yes if it's okay with you of course um, just, you know, a lot of times it's nice to to have free free giveaways on podcasts and different outlets like this so oh, i wow. would like to offer uh the first 10 of your listeners that hear this and would like to talk more about their symptoms um the first 10 ladies that want me to uh, maybe just talk to you about your symptoms. I'd be happy to do that. I know you have a lot of listeners, Juliet, so I apologize in advance that if I can't and probably would not ever be able to talk to everyone, but the first 10 um, ladies that send an info, an email rather to that website um, can expect to uh, have a conversation with me, 10 or 15 minute conversation where we just run through some, maybe I can help direct you solutions wherever you are. What did I tell you guys about Dr. Anderson? I didn't know about this, so this is surprising to me. (laughs) And oh my God, I'm almost, there's almost tears in my eyes because I did not know she would do this. And 
this is so unique and it, it's just refreshing to know doctors do care and lend their time. The first 10 listeners at the end, I will have her repeat the email. We'll also have the email and information posted on our Instagram account and also on our Facebook. So don't despair. We're going to have it there. Dr. Anderson, oh my God, I could hug you right now, but it's COVID. Oh, thank you so, so much. I'm sure our listeners would appreciate that. We talked about menopause in layman terms. We talked about the different titles that is given to menopause. We talked about the typical age. And we're now going, I'm going to ask you, as I've been asked, they say, as stated, there are many symptoms, of course, 34 of them. But there are a few that are more prevalent and or common than others. Can you kind of medically explain foundationally why we have hot flashes, night sweats, weight gain, mood swings, vaginal dryness, decreased libido, etc., etc. Now, I hope you know that, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but I call menopause the beast. (laughs) And... The symptoms, I describe them like a strong unit family that if you mess with one, they all come and F you up. That's how I I describe them because it's like they work in in a unit. You know, it's like they cooperate with each other. Oh, I'm coming to the east. I'm coming with you. I'm going to the west. I am behind you. Got your back. I, I call them brutes. Oh, my goodness. So why do you think we have those symptoms? So that's a very great question. It's also um, very easy to answer, Um, and it all boils down to hormones. Hormones are decreasing in menopause, and wherever there are extremes, so whenever we have high hormones and we have low hormones, typically women will feel certain symptoms. So... High hormones, like in a pregnancy, for example, have certain symptoms that are characteristic of of that season in a woman's life. And with menopause, it's also the exact opposite, but very similar in the sense that the hormones are dropping and that decline in hormones leads to the symptoms. Now, some people experience what I call a very steady decline. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think of those women as women who maybe won't experience as many symptoms or they're they're not having the Band-Aid kind of ripped off all at once, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, they may notice a little symptom here. Um, Maybe the cycles start changing first as the the initial onset. Um, And then they start waking up with night sweats. And then they start waking up with more night sweats. And then they start to notice that their mood is a little bit more irritable or they're crying at, you know, target commercials. Um, you have women who will get, have layered symptoms. And then some, some women that literally overnight, it seems like, you know, the beast shows up as you, as you describe it, Juliet, and <laughs> yes. brings all of the family unit. And uh, I love that analogy. Um, and, you know, just can really beat you down. Um, and you're dealing with so many things all at once. Um, but for the most part, I think most women do, just in talking with women, do experience kind of a gradual onset of symptoms. Um, and sometimes they are so subtle that they can sl- they can kind of 
fall under the radar, or we are so busy and uh, very much nurturers as women and very much, you know, in the business of multitasking and taking care of everybody except ourselves, that sometimes by the time we realize, wait, something is really changing here, um, we are really in a different space in terms of the number of symptoms that that we have and just how uh, depleted those hormones are. But ultimately, when we stop our periods, the periods stop because the hormones are now at a low state and they are no longer going through the rise and fall that we typically get that leads to the period. Um, There's three main hormones, reproductive hormones, that we talk about with menopause, and progesterone is one of them. Progesterone hormone um, is probably for most women the first hormone that starts to drop, which is why the cycles eventually become a little irregular, and you may notice that they're lighter, you may notice that they're shorter, or sometimes the pendulum swings the other way and the cycles start to get longer, or they're shorter but they're heavier. And you start having clots that come out um, and uh, more cramping, you know, that can occur. Right. Some women will start to get two periods a month. Um, and that usually is due to, again, some changes in those hormones. Most likely in that situation, the, the drop in the progesterone. The P in progesterone, I always describe to women and think about that as your protector. Protector of our, of our lining inside the uterus right. that builds up sheds once a month. And does that at a very rhythmic pattern. So when we lose that progesterone, we lose some of that prote- protection to the inside part of uterus. And as a result, the estrogen, which is also decreasing, but maybe not as fast, is able to still feed that uterus and that lining can still grow. And that sometimes is why women will have some heavier heavier flow patterns. Right. Um, testosterone is also dropping. And we don't talk about testosterone in women enough. Um, because here in the U.S., still an off-label, non-FDA-approved uh, hormonal treatment for women, even though we've used it since the 1900s. And testosterone is, in my mind, a miracle hormone. <laughs> it covers a multitude of sins, Juliet. Right. Um, and when you look at benefits that women get testosterone, when we can replace that and give them a little bit of work back, that hormone, when it drops, is typically what can lead to and contribute to more night sweats, okay. hot flashes that women will experience during the day. Mm-hmm. And night sweats and hot flashes are very different. And so whenever women are describing hot flashes that occur at night, I always will ask them, are you sweating? Is it more of a night sweat? Or is it truly just that you're hot? Because there is a difference. And women who experience night sweats literally sometimes soak through all of their clothes, their hair, mm-hmm. and almost feel like you need to get up and take a shower because right. you're just so wet. Um, it can be, it can be, you know, lighter than that. But it, a night sweat truly is where the body is sweating. That symptom, in many situations, is due to the drop in testosterone. And women can get that with menopause. You see that in women sometimes also that are on um, other medications. Right. Night sweats can also be due to other things. So we, it's a very important discussion to have. But, you know, for the purposes of your podcast, we'll just keep it with the, uh, the menopausal symptoms. Okay. Um, the um, estrogen is usually the last hormone to drop. And once that estrogen gets low enough, it's no longer feeding the lining of the uterus on the inside. And as a result, you don't have the progesterone as high as you normally have it. You don't have the 
the testosterone, you don't have the estrogen, again, as high as we typically see it, and then the cycle just stops. When the estrogen gets low, estrogen is what's going to contribute to more of those hot flashes that women experience at all times of the day. The importance of layering your clothes, because you never know if the hot flash is going to come on right when you're talking to friends or you know, giving a presentation at work, um, is, is typically due to the estrogen, as is vaginal dryness um, that women get, because estrogen, again, is a, a growth hormone. It feeds the uterus, it feeds the vagina, and it helps keep it moist and lubricated. So when it starts to drop, symptoms that you can get can be more of the dryness. Um, and you can have dryness in your skin, too, not just in your vagina, but just start to notice more dryness all over in their skin. And the decreased libido, what why, where would that come from? Or how would that, <laughs> so that come about? <laughs> so decreased libido um, is another very common symptom. And the decreased libido is actually something that women will start to experience usually before some of the other symptoms. It's one of those symptoms to Juliet that, again, because we've, we've normalized so much, Mm -hmm. um, as women, particularly around our sexuality, that this is something that a lot of women won't even notice is uh, problematic. They won't notice it as um, a change in their body because for the most part, a lot of us are just socialized to believe that, you know, women aren't supposed to enjoy sex. Women aren't supposed to have high libidos. And that isn't necessarily true at all. You know, this is another quality of life factor that is very important to discuss if you're noticing those changes. Um, and a lot of women are. Some women will start to feel that change in their 30s. Some women will start to feel it in their 40s. But at any point when we're starting to notice a drop in libido, usually that's from declining testosterone level, okay? If we were going to attribute it to a hormonal deficiency, it would be the testosterone. Okay. With women, we also have other things that can affect our libido, um, again, because we're multitaskers and we're juggling a lot of different hats. And um, we are, I think, different in our approach to libido. But women who um, start to have some changes there, sometimes it's not as disruptive and we don't have to necessarily address those symptoms in those patients. But there are quite a few women that find this to be extremely unsettling and uh, disruptive to their relationships and just to who they're used to, to, to being. In, in terms of a vibrant woman. Um, and so there are, fortunately now, several therapies that are available women to help address this need. Testosterone, again, I think of it as, you know, a miracle hormone and probably the most important hormone um, that we, we can address in women because it does cover a lot of different areas. Um, we didn't talk much about mood swings, but women who experience changes in their mood typically will come in with one of two types of changes. It's either I am becoming really irritable, right. I have zero tolerance, mm -hmm. a short fuse, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, almost no patience, and that is typically almost always due to the lack of testosterone that's occurring. Um, when women start to have more weepy, crying type of symptoms, that can be more of the estrogen dropping, but the irritability, uh, the, you know, I want to take your head off <laughs> type of symptoms, the lack of patience, the lack of motivation even, um, decreased energy, all of that can be 
a testosterone deficiency. Um, and sometimes just replacing that single hormone in terms of a, a, an individualized treatment for a patient makes all the difference in the world. Um, and she doesn't need anything. Right. We are going to, at some point in the future, hopefully at your convenience, go through each of these individually because I know some of my listeners, they just go through either horrible mood swings or gain a lot of weight. Like myself, I put on 30 pounds, you know, how to deal with the hot flashes, night sweats, etc. So hopefully at a later date, at your convenience, if you have the time, we will attack those in a little bit more in depth. And thank you so much. Um, Before I met you, I was going through many of these symptoms, especially the hot flash and the night sweat. I did gain a lot of weight, the mood swings. I guess it was more irritability. Don't, don't, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. (laughs) Oh my God. Had low libido. Sex was not on my mind, ever on my mind, even if I had somebody to do it with. Just know. Um, I yelled at my primary doctor and um, she said, OBGYN, I researched and I found you and I got to you. What was I when you first met me? (laughs) (laughs) When we first met, Juliet, you were so vulnerable, which is important in these conversations because, you know, it's important for us as physicians to be able to step inside of the lives of our patients, if only for a moment, so that we can can really look at the big picture and then kind of narrow it down a little bit to what we can do to help partner with you and make the right choices, decisions around lifestyle changes, um, medications when, when appropriate, surgeries when appropriate. And we that, that only occurs when sometimes we get to a place where we are just vulnerable to the point where we have to lay everything on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how you know foreign it sounds, um, it's a very important aspect of uh, the patient-physician relationship. So, you know, anytime we have these conversations, you you have to um, be willing to share, right. even when things are uncomfortable. And when you do, just like you did when we met initially, it's always a, a, an opportunity for me to say thank you. Thank you for sharing, because it makes my job easier to know, okay, this is what we're dealing with, and it helps to know, okay, this is definitely in my wheelhouse, or mm, I think there's some other things going on here that might need to be addressed first um, that might be life-threatening for you, and we might need to address that first and then come back to some of the conversations um, that are overlapping, you know, with menopause. So it's it's always, uh, again, a, a perfect opportunity to devise and develop a treatment plan that's going to honor you, but also honor us as physicians so that we don't waste your time and you don't waste your time. Right. Um, so when, when you came in, you know, there was a lot of discussion about, um, you know, some of what you just described and, and we laid out different options and um, did some testing and were able to kind of come up with a plan that um, hopefully is continuing to work for you and will for, for, for many months and years to come as long as you need it. Yes. So the the option I chose, the doctor will tell you, when we did our testing, I'm going to back up a bit. When we did our testing and I went for the result, the doctor told me probably, I think you might have said, as you expected. I don't know if you said those words, but she told me I had zero testosterone in my body. <laughs> zero testosterone in my body. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, 
uh, hell yes. I'm not supposed to have any testosterone in my body. I am a woman, you know? <laughs> I ain't got no hair on my chin, my chest, and I don't have male genitalia. So I think I made some joke and she started laughing. But you explained to me the importance of having testosterone in your body. Can you describe that just briefly for us? Sure. So again, going back to those three hormones between estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, um, testosterone covers a lot of different symptoms, but the, the benefit of testosterone, and no, we, we shouldn't have high amounts of testosterone um, as women because we're not, we're, we're women, we're not men. So when we look at the, the levels of testosterone in our bodies, they are, and they should be lower than what you would expect in a man. Okay. Right. Um, but the other aspect of testosterone therapy is again, it's, it's a hormone that we don't talk about enough, but that has a lot of important functions in our body. And part of what we're learning uh, more and more and more about testosterone is its ability to um, help us maintain muscle. Um, as we get older and we lose that testosterone, sometimes, you know, we start to, to lose our muscle tone, which in some women can lead to issues with weight. Um, we lose uh, bone support. And so estrogen is important in bone health. And we know that women who take estrogen can help prevent and support the bones and um, prevent some osteoporosis. Testosterone also helps with our bones because if you help maintain the, the um, strength of the muscles and the tone of the muscles, then you help support our bony structure, right? Right. So testosterone also has some benefits with bone health. Um, there's some really amazing studies out there that look at the ability of testosterone to also help with cognition, um, particularly as it relates to Alzheimer's uh, prevention, Parkinson's prevention. Um, there's some studies that are looking at the uh, impact of testosterone on our cholesterol. And this is always a difficult discussion to have sometimes because heart disease is a very important topic. It's a, it's the number one threat that we all face as we get older. Um, and 10, 10 times more women you know, will suffer from heart disease-related complications than they will from all GYN cancers combined, breast, uterine, ovaries. Um, heart disease is something we have to take very seriously. Right. Um, but when you look at some patients, men and women, who take testosterone therapy, depending on when they started, they can actually have improvement in their, in their cardiac um, profiles around their lipids and uh, decrease some of their potential heart disease risk. Again, the studies are still a little uh, back and forth there, but we do see that as well, um, just depending on the independent risk factors that you bring to the table. Right. So testosterone has a lot of different functions. And you mentioned something, Juliet, that I want to, to address because mm -hmm. this is important. Um, when we check labs, women will come in all the time and say, I want my hormones test. And my next question will be, well, what are, what are we looking for? Like, what's your concern? Because we don't have to check hormones all the time in every patient. It really depends on what your goal is. And so if you had come to me and you were like, you know, I feel great, but my vagina is just really dry. It's not, I can't, you know, maintain any lubrication. I wouldn't need to check your hormones for that. We could just give you some vaginal therapies to help the dryness. Right. Um, when we check hormones, though, particularly in menopause, remember what we are expecting to see is that the hormones are low. So even with testosterone, when we, when we draw panels and we're looking at testosterone and we're looking at estrogen and we're looking at progesterone, I always tell people, you know, I'm not really ever surprised by what I see because menopause, by definition, is a clinical diagnosis, right? Like right. 
you can come in my office and tell me your symptoms and you can tell me that you haven't had a period for X number of years and I can diagnose you without looking at a single lab. So when we look at the labs, though, yes, there are patients who have nothing left. <laughs> like in this scenario, and you have some, some patients where it's, it's dropped and it's definitely lower, uh, like we would expect to see. But there are some patients that literally have nothing, you know, left on those, on those tests we draw their lab. So low is not necessarily abnormal, right? We expect that, again, with menopause. Like, but some people, again, have nothing left. <laughs> like me, because, again, when I, I cracked up more when I got home and told my daughters, you know. The doctor said, you have zero testosterone in your body. And I'm thinking, yay, I am great. I am a certified female. (laughs) I had no idea um, that that works with menopause. Okay, hang on, folks. We're going to take a break and we're going to continue this in just a second. Hang in there. Oh, before we roll into part three of the Doctors In episodes, conversing with Dr. Anderson, we have a giveaway for 10 lucky listeners. Remember at the beginning of this episode, Dr. Anderson surprised me and you by offering free 15 minutes consultation for the first 10 menopausal or perimenopausal listeners that send their information to my email. The first 10 listeners to email me their contact information along with a brief description of what you would like Dr. Anderson to talk to you about will absolutely get her. She is awesome. The email is jdub at donttouchmyjewels.com. Again, I will repeat jdub, that's J-D-U-B at donttouchmyjewels.com. Your information will be forwarded directly to Dr. Anderson and she will communicate with you at her earliest convenience. Dr. Anderson will only contact those listeners who sent their information to me and they are among the first 10 listeners that I've received. I'm telling you, Make use of this great offer. She has a lot of information. So good luck and stay tuned. Part three, conversing with Dr. Anderson is coming up. (laughs) 